Hi, I'm Eric Dewey. And this is Steve O'Mooney. And I'm Matthew Renfro. And we're Socially Awkward. You're listening to another great production on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Check out more shows at foureyedradio.com. Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Stand by for transmission. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 17 and is being recorded on March 20th, 2013. For a live studio audience. <laughs> Today's topic, Romulans. Romulans. You can't, uh, live, you can't live with them. You can't shoot them. Anyways. <laughs> I'm Aaron. I'm Marty. And I'm Eric. Uh, so how are you guys doing today? I'm good. I'm tired, but good and cold. I, I am also those things. <laughs> I'm tired and cold. Well, it is the first day of spring. Yeah, and who would know it? <laughs> exactly. That damn, that damn uh, hedgehog, groundhog, whatever the hell he is, he's a lying bastard. I think he was sent from Romulus. I do too. You saw yeah. the is right, <laughs> R- Romulan infiltrator. Must be. Well, other than that, in the pre-show, which we won't put out there, we all have learned that we're old men too. Old men who like Star Trek. Star Trek. Back in my day. <laughs> so Romulans. They're from that planet called um, uh, Vulcan. It will come to me in a second. Um, uh, Romulus. There it is. Uh, so before we get into the the topic, the topic, let's discuss some news. So, news. Uh, some news. But we should make it like Star Trek ease, like uh, like a uh, subspace noise, subspace something. noise or something. Yeah. yeah. So with some new Star Trek. The game news: Two Vulcan characters have been unveiled. Tamar, a female Vulcan scientist, and Sirok, a Vulcan leader. Cool. Mm. Yeah, they go, uh, the, they go home with the S again. God love them. Well, <laughs> so yeah, I have. Uh, I, I saw the screenshots that they posted, and they say that Tamar is the captain of a space station and was a childhood friend of Spock. Mm-hmm. Uh, her blend of incredible intelligence and unexpected beauty prove intriguing to Kirk. <laughs> well, Kirk would bang anything that moves, so... <laughs> That's true. Even things that don't. They're not quite dead yet. Anyways. <laughs> and then um, Sirach, uh is one of Spock's childhood mentors and is also Tamar's father. And wow. together they help lead the colonization of New Vulcan. The game comes out in a month. Uh, mm-hmm. I have it pre-ordered. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to play this thing. Yeah, really? I haven't pre-ordered. Well, we've it seen yet, a lot of but... things about it. A lot oh of yeah, screenshots and stuff. Yeah, and it it makes me feel really good about the game because they they seem really confident in uh, posting Speaking and giving stuff, us a lot yeah. of updates. And it's funny because every time you search for Into Darkness, you'll get at least six or seven of those, the images, on Google. So it must be tightly connected to the next movie. Yeah, I hope so. I, ho- I hope it uh, leads into the movie pretty well. 
Next, we've talked about these guys before, but Star Trek Renegades has unveiled their website and is seeking an additional $15,000 to help produce more and better quality props <laughs> for their production. Yeah, the, the, the cardboard worked in the 60s, but not now. <laughs> I've, I've seen the... The sets? The designs for the weapons and stuff, and they, you know they look pretty cool. They're you know you the can big thing is the big thing is the sets though. They already have that. They want you know like phasers and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, just to give it that extra depth. I've seen. I mean, you can obviously tell that they're uh, Federation Starfleet uh, weapons. Yeah. But they just look you know a little different. So it isn't like they can go out and buy some, you know, Playmates phasers and yeah, I know. spray paint them or something. What's the um, time period? Again, refresh my uh, memory. Is it What year area is this Renegades? Uh, I think it's a, a little bit into the future. Okay. Of, yeah, because Chekhov um, is an old man. Yeah. I love the fact that he has no, uh, no toupee on. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually... Check if he's off. going to be playing Chekhov or another officer, I, I'm not sure. Uh, the, their website says it's uh, 10 years after Voyager's return from the Delta Quadrant. Okay, there's a problem with that then. <clears throat> Unless Chekhov is wicked, wicked old. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't think he's, I don't think he's actually playing Chekhov. No, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't believe he has that Russian accent. I thought he did, but okay. Um, he has like, you know, just his regular voice, I think. Yeah, he's just uh, playing some Admiral, I think. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. And then in some sadder news... Malachi. Malachi. Yeah. Or Malachi. Malachi. It can Malachi. be Malachi or Malachi, depending on the background. Throne. Passed away on March 13th. He is known to Star Trek fans as the voice of the Keeper in TOS The Cage and the Menagerie. Menagerie. Yeah. And Commodore Jose Mendez in TOS. The Menagerie. The Menagerie. And as Pardek, a Romulan in TNG Unification. I, I really liked uh, his character, uh, Jose Mendez, in, in The Menagerie. I thought that was a well-done part, and it's, uh, it's sad to hear that uh, we've lost another uh, Star Trek actor. Well, they can't all live forever, I guess. Except uh, Riker. Except for Riker, yes. yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a reference to Generations, right? Uh, yeah. It, it was. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you also know that he was false face in Batman, the Batman uh, series in the 60s? I didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. He he was definitely one of those actors that that was in a lot of things during his career. So in uh, some other news, that's a little weird, I guess. Uh, Three Star Trek outfits were stolen from the Coach Clubhouse Pub in Keel Coates near uh, Slipsby in the United Kingdom. Apologies to all our British fans <laughs> for <laughs> that. Yeah. Spillsby. Spillsby? Yeah. What did I say? Spillsby. You said Slipsby. <laughs> Whoa. You know, hooked on Phoenix works for you. Uh, yeah. Dyslexia. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This place in the United Kingdom. Uh, <laughs> in some town. So, yeah. so if you took these uh, outfits, give them back. You uh, rotten bastards. <laughs> I think they're offering uh, some reward for it. Uh, I want to say they're offering uh, some drinks for the uniforms to be returned. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I hope so. Yeah, a free meal and drink is being offered by uh, the pub. How <laughs> about a nice kick in the ass? I'm surprised the English aren't offering that. That story is horrible. I hate that somebody would steal something like that. I always hate uh, that type of thing. But mm-hmm. just one thing to go back on with um, Malachi Throne. Yeah. I just wanted to add one thing that I just saw, which is amazing, because I didn't recognize him. He was in Babylon 5. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. Prime Minister Malachi. It was one of the Centauri government officials. Uh, and he's, yeah. the, he's the one that foresaw the coming of the uh, Shadow Wars. That's right. I do remember that. So Cool. He was big into the sci-fi. Wasn't also the person who plays Chekhov in Babylon 5? Yes, he was. He was a mind, uh, what was he, a psychop. Psy- yeah, yeah, he the was a psychic cop. Yeah, there was actually a oh. bunch of Star Trek cameos in that. Yeah, they had a lot of actors crossover. Yeah. Bruce Box, uh, Boxlinger, by the way, still is a horrible act. Uh, I think he's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another day. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So IDW Publishing will release uh, Star Trek Countdown to Darkness number three today, March what? 20th. You mean I'm doing this and I'm not out getting my comic book? No, you should have already done it. At, at um, which one call it? At Newberry Comics. Comics. And, and I was at a comic book convention this weekend. So, Were you? Uh, yeah. yeah. I didn't get it. I didn't get any of well, it. It wasn't out yet. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't out yet. Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe that maybe they should have had it out already. Maybe an early release. So do do we know what it's uh, what it's about? Is it just uh, setting up a prequel kind of to the new movie? Yeah, it's just setting up. If you've looked at some of the, I don't know if you've seen the other ones, but I've looked up some. That also comes up when you search in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, mm-hmm. and they have the clips of the different scenes from the different comic books. And one of them centered around Robert April's captainship. Oh and yeah, the, you mentioned and fact, that. And the fact that the character that oh, what's his name? Robocop. Robocop. Yeah. Uh, what is his name? Peter Weller. Peter Weller. I always forget his name. His character is actually the first officer to Robert April, who is okay. now an admiral. And isn't he playing Carol Marcus's father? Yes, it's Carol Marcus's father. All right. So I think his last name is Marcus. Okay. That would be a safe That's usually how it works. <laughs> right. So the National Association of Theater Owners will be presenting Chris Pine with the CinemaCon Male Star of the Year Award you know, on I April was, 18th. I, they, I was their original choice. Were you? And, uh, yeah, I don't know how I get chipped out by Chris Pine. Uh, psh, I don't know. You're, you're a better-looking man. Yes, I am. I'm a better-looking woman, too. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron knows. Uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Uh, actually, this okay. next piece of information is really awesome, especially for people that have Hulu Plus. Like me. Woo! And Not me as me. well. Oh, Marty. I'll come over to you. I'll get with the times. You're going to have to come over, Marty. How much does it cost? It's, it's... seven ninety nine a month. Oh, yeah. just like Netflix. Yeah. yeah. All right. If I didn't have cable, I I would just use those. Yeah. I would just use Netflix and Hulu. Hulu now has season one of the TNG remastered uh, for free. Yes. And Hulu Plus subscribers now have seasons one and two of The Next Generation remastered. So Hulu Hulu regular has the first? Yeah, they So have, I'm not locked out of everything. No, free users of the Hulu 
only get the first seasons of Star Trek mm-hmm. of all the series. They only get the first seasons. Hulu Plus members get we get it all of all, get of all the seasons. But uh, I'm assuming that once the Next Generation remastered ser- uh, seasons are released, Hulu Plus will get the new ones to replace them with. Yes, I'm. I'm actually surprised that they're doing this. Because one would think that they would want to booster the Blu-ray sales before they put it out everywhere. Mm. So this is pretty exciting. But they know they know where the uh, industry is going. It isn't DVD anymore. It's streaming. Streaming. Yeah, and uh, Hulu's contract with CBS is fairly new for the Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why Amazon Prime and Netflix don't have the uh, remastered versions yet. Because mm, they're not good enough. <laughs> well, they just don't have a newer contract, yeah. a new enough contract. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. I've actually watched, I haven't watched whole episodes yet of the remastered, but I've seen clips and it's so incredible. How's the uh, HD? <laughs> it's It's awesome. It's uh, his girlfriend hasn't heard from him in days. <laughs> one of she the, lives with him. One of the things that was very interesting, I always thought the font from the next, uh, generation. next generation, the opening credit fonts, uh-huh. I always thought those were block letters. I didn't realize that they had little uh, like serif uh, curves on them. Yeah, um, the fact yeah, that you're th- realizing this. Th- thanks to uh, fuzzy TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I never realized that until I saw it in the remastered version. I was like, "What? How do the effects awesome. look? Oh, they still suck, but the 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 titles look uh, great." No, I'm just kidding. No, they they redid all of the I'm effects. Joking. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no the the effects that I've seen is all over the titles and forget about everything else. Well, that's because that's uh, that's, that's what surprised means something me. to you. I, I like fonts and, and stuff like that. <laughs> me too. I, I, I know where you're coming from. He likes a nice curvy font. You know what I, I mean? I was actually uh, thinking about designing a font for our website, like that our would own be nice. font. Uh, the font I, I've made is really terrible right now, so I'm going to have to redo it. Well, I wasn't going to say <laughs> uh, So that's that. And, uh, and as they say, that's that. <laughs> so what is this? Real life phasers? Yes, it seems that uh, we are getting real-life phasers. I am going to the article now. Mm-hmm. But um, so scientists build a new kind of laser out of sound, mm-hmm. and they're calling them phasers, and here's why. So laser is the acronym for light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. Mm-hmm. So this new system is exploiting particles of sound called phonons. So this this new one should be called phasers because it's phonon amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. So what it is is these devices could one day be used in ultrasound medical imaging, computer parts, high-precision measurements, and many other places. So Falcon, Romulus, those yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't until 2010 that researchers built the first uh, sound lasers, mm-hmm. and now they're just uh, perfecting the technology, and they dubbed it phasers. Huh. So any uh, applications for weapons or no? 
So Aaron's all worried about the <laughs> weapons part. Well, if it's well, going to be called a phaser. So, yeah, a tiny part of the device translates mechanical vibration. It'll hurt your ears a little bit. Into an electrical signal. Mm-hmm. They're saying that it could be, it could serve as a tiny clock, but they're using, because since it's ultrasound, it could be used to scan objects. Okay. So if I think they might be able to weaponize it somehow. Okay. Dealing with sound. Well, if it's a sound, yeah. Because they use sound weapons. Yeah, now if they're using it for scanning, it almost seems like in our universe, phasers could be used as tricorders. Oh. (laughs) Or in a way, it could also, it sounds like where they're using the sound, it could almost be like the harmonics for a, if you think in Star Trek, somebody scans a ship for life forms and everything. Yeah, and they go like, yeah, that could be. So we may get. (laughs) We need to get a special effect. Sound sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh so we're getting real life phasers even even though it's it may not be exactly what we have in Star Trek. <laughs> well, at least the name. Yeah, yeah, the name. So Sir Ian McCullen, McCullen. Ian McCullen, yeah. Will officiate the upcoming wedding of Sir Patrick Stewart and his fiance, 35-year-old jazz singer Sunny Ozel. He's marrying her for for her intellect. Yeah, um, I was going to say, he's really uh, robbing the cradle. He's, he's around 70 now, isn't he? He's over 70, I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, good Well, good for him. Yeah. Go, go Patrick Stewart. Uh, so that's cool. If you're an X-Men fan, that's uh, kind of Yeah, awesome Ma- Magneto uh, marrying off uh, Professor, Professor X. X. Yeah. I'd rather have um, Ian McDermott, the one that plays um, Palpatine. Hmm. You know why? I'd rather no. him go there, be in the, the robes and everything, because you know this one's not going to wear the robes. I mean, come on. Continuing with our Romulan theme for this episode, uh, Would You Buy It is a neutral zone poster, which is officially licensed. It is 18 inches by 24 inches, high quality, heavy weight, 100-pound acid-free paper, and it's selling for $25. Uh, so guys, uh, would you buy bye this? Bye, robot. Bye, yeah. Uh, it's available at buybyrobot.com. I would totally buy this. I think the art looks fantastic. Yeah, they have uh, several other posters that are in the same style of this. They also have they have uh, clean on bird of prey, uh, which is cool. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I I don't know if I would buy this one per se, <laughs> but I mean for twenty five bucks, uh, you can't He's go a, wrong. You're right? a cheap ass. Uh, so it has two Rhineland warbirds, and uh, I don't know if you guys can see it, but it has an Enterprise D in the background there. Yeah, yeah I, I see it on, on the website. I brought that up and, and made it a little larger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it looks really nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Plus, it's officially it's licensed. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, Marty, would you buy this? Yeah. I might. Yeah. I might, Rabbit. I might. Um, yes. My thing is, is that I, I was looking for, I mean, it's more of like an artist. Uh, what do they call that kind of art? It's almost like uh, good art. No, <laughs> uh, no, not when you get up close, because when you get up close, it looks like my niece took some mark, um, some paint and threw it. But when you pull it out, you can see it better. It's, it's hard to see when you get up closer. It's a little bit more of like expressionism. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I love the uh, Klingon version that they have too. Mm-hmm. I, I would definitely buy the whole series. 
of, of posters and how many are there? Uh, well, they have a their website has a, a list of things. Yeah, several. Uh, okay. But it looks like the this artist has done um, three different or three or four different posters in a similar style. Really? Right. And all the colors look great, and it, it looks really nice. I I would not mind having these like in my living room. Right. Actually, the Borg one's pretty cool. Uh, Borg cubed. Borg uh, cubed. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's another good one. So but Aaron, that's a different artist. This is definitely, but this is on the same place that you got that con poster, right? Yeah, this is the same website uh, from the communist con poster. Yeah, that we mentioned in the last episode. I guess that's uh, three. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, sure. Or, no, that's, <laughs> that's definite for me. Okay, yeah, so he's one definite. One definite, uh, Marty. Like maybe yeah. uh, me. Put, uh, yeah, I think I put it in a, in my Star Trek uh, collectibles room. Yeah. Okay. So with that said, let's get into the topic at hand. The Romulan Star Empire. Was well, it, it was neither Romulan nor Star nor an Empire. Anyways, actually, <laughs> wait a minute. It really was. Yeah, it was all those things, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Okay, uh, so the history. Aaron, the history. Okay, so the Romulans... <laughs> Why do you laugh every time you talk about this? The Romulans. <laughs> the Romulans. Hello. When, when I said Hello, that... Romulans. You want it me might... to read it? I'll read it. Yeah, you can read it if you want. Yeah. The Romulans were a biological cousin of the Vulcans, as they were descended from those who rejected Surak's reforms during the Time of Awakening. When Surak reforms of embracing logic principles and rejecting emotions spread rapidly across the Vulcan across Vulcan in the fourth century, a minority rejected Surak's ideas. Those who marched beneath the banner of the Raptor, which became the symbol of the Romulan Star Empire, departed departed Vulcan in the fourth century. Yeah, and that's uh, the fourth century uh, Is that AD or AD us. Okay. Uh, so it's uh, our fourth century. Our fourth century, okay. Due to their shared ancestry, Vulcans and Romulans possess a very similar physiology, including varied skin color. Uh, Romulans had pointed ears, eyebrows that were arched and upswept, and copper-based blood that appeared green when oxygenated in, in the arteries, or copper or rust when deoxygenated in the veins. Most Romulans had two brow ridges above the bridge of their nose, forming a V-shape on their forehead. However, a minority of Romulans lack these ridges. Suck my ridges. Um, <laughs> making them outwardly indistinguishable from Vulcans. Right. Society. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the history a bit. So, um, what do you guys think of the background of the, of the Romulans? Uh, I think... I think it was, it was a good backstory. Mm -hmm. I think that if Spock were born in a different time, he might have marched under the flag of the Romulans. If he was born in that time period. Human? No, in that time period, because if you remember, some of his, his issues are with the logic versus his human side. And the human side right. wants to come out and be emotional. Mm -hmm. I think that's... Well, well, I think I think we've seen Spock before, like in in the one episode where there was that uh, Romulan female commander, and they kind of had a thing going. Mm -hmm. So, 
I, I think Spock is uh, well suited to understand the Romulans because yeah. of his human side. But I think, given the time period, if he was in that society at that time, he might have embraced that. Yeah, he might have. That's yeah. that's interesting. Um, but I'm very surprised that it was in our fourth century. I thought it would have been yeah. a longer period before that. Um, it's it's not too crazy to think about it if um no 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 you're right but yeah I mean, if, if if Vulcans already had spacefaring technology back then yeah yeah it's it's a pretty safe assumption that they could make a this big empire over many centuries yeah the whole um, thing with the whole thing with the V on their head their forehead mm-hmm. yeah I always found that to be an interesting thing that they did in the next generation because they didn't have that originally. Yeah. No, they did. They did not have that originally. But in the original series, uh, whenever we saw Romulan Centurion, they did have that helmet, that kind of yeah. V pointed yeah. down. Yeah. So you could you could say <laughs> that some of them maybe had the ridges. So it's kind of like with uh, JJ's so yeah, JJ's with potential Klingons when they have the the helmets. The masks. Yeah. Yeah. We're playing football on Klingons. No. <laughs> so yeah i i thought it was interesting that that the romulans uh have the ridges uh i also find it interesting that the romulans have such a different uh well one i know it's supposed to be based after the Ro- the roman empire but they have such a different a uh, society it, of course that's to, due to the planet they're on um but also that they dress so much differently as well yeah, I with, think that those, I think that just goes with with, with the, the shoulder pads from the nineteen eighties. <laughs> well, I guess that's because they're you know s- such a militaristic yeah uh, society. But did you notice that they kind of pulled that away? I mean, everybody in 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 the Romulans in the next generation were seen to have the military uniform. I mean, we mostly saw the the military side, but we did see regular civilians as well. Okay, in unification we saw. Yeah, some. and they yeah. did not wear much different. Well, they were like kind of like just like plainish, but not like the ones we saw in the movies. In the movies, they were more like tr- truly the Roman Empire. In the movies, like the ambassadors. No, no, no. In um, like uh, Nemesis. Uh, Nemesis. Yeah, some of the senators had more robe-like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I mean that could whatever. Be, it's their yeah. clothing. <laughs> but yeah, they're um, I I kind of like the uh, that diamond pattern. Mm-hmm. For their military uniforms yeah i i think it's interesting that they use the nemesis costumes in enterprise the few times that we saw yes uh, the romulans oh for the the reman oh wait no sorry um for the romulans uh, yeah i was thinking of something else but, i also love the fact that we find out that the romulans are using the uh what do you call it andorians yeah, that was awesome. under underground people. Uh, what was the name of the group? the the Anar? Yeah, yeah, that that was a great episode, Sounds, and um, I feel so dirty when I say that name. <laughs> and I liked um, that that little Tie-in. block of episodes because we also saw Remen guards, so it ties back into Nemesis fairly <laughs> yeah. nicely. Yeah, they just put it in the past. Unfortunately, we never saw it in the future until that last movie. <laughs> Well, I, I recently, I, I was telling Eric earlier, I recently rewatched uh, two episodes uh, involving the Romulans, yeah. uh, which I'll uh, probably get into later because uh, of <laughs> it, there was some continuity. 
Thanks, Which sir. We'll get into later. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm one so of the tired. one of the hospitals in this community is killing people. Would you like to know which ones they are? Come back at ten. What? <laughs> uh, it, it involves some uh, per <laughs> fairly uh, big uh, continuity errors. Well, not errors, but there uh, always are errors. No, this was pretty big. Uh, we'll we'll oh, get into it fine. with we'll it's get into fine. it with uh, with Perfect. the. When we get into the uh, Romulan, the Earth Romulan War, okay, uh, I'll talk about it. So society, Don't Romulans, <laughs> I'll do my best. Romulans <laughs> are extremely xenophobic, engaging in extended periods of isolationalism, uh, and could be perceived as outright racist to other species, believing themselves to be superior. Romulans still practice slavery, specifically with the Remans. Uh, which they used uh, for slave labor and shock troops. Uh, the highest position of power was held by the Praetor, uh, who presided over the Romulan Senate. The government of Romulus was dependent upon the Tal Shiar, the Romulan secret police, to maintain order and stability among both civilians and the military. The Tal Shiar was known for its brutal tactics, which included routine kidnapping, torture, and assassination. Nice guys. Yeah. <laughs> so we definitely saw the Tal Shiar uh, mm -hmm. in the next generation. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of scary, I guess. Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely some big shadow organization. I mean, they were uh, pretty cruel. It's mm -hmm. kind of like the... Um, when Garrick and, and the Obsidian Order. It's right. just like a, another... Or Starfleet having Section 31. Yeah. It's right. just a, a, a different group of people that get the job done mm -hmm. when no one else <laughs> wants done. to... Well, when no one else yeah. wants to get their hands dirty. Yeah, yeah. except they're well-known. It's not yeah. like Section 31 is like uh, secretive as in like the general public doesn't know about them. Everyone knows about the Tal Shiar and everyone in Romulan society is afraid of uh, speaking out because they'll be you know, kidnapped or tortured, killed. Yeah, and I think that goes along with uh, the Romulan society. They're just so violent and they practice kind of like that fear, fear mongering. It's, it's mm. all propaganda. That's, that's really what it is. Right. The whole attitude about them believing themselves to be superior. Mm -hmm. what, what I like about all the actors who have pr played Romulans, you get that sense of entitlement, right. of like kind of like their nose stuck in the air, mm -hmm. and you always seem like they're looking down at you. Right. I got that especially with uh, uh, Sela. So, yeah, I, I could. I definitely felt that from her. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if if you guys felt the same. Uh, well, I felt something, but that wasn't it. <laughs> Whoa! What? Um, no, like I haircut? just. Do you like the haircut? Whose? Sela. You mean her oh, big ball I thought you meant yours. <laughs> no. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Well, no. Um. Sela uh, was. Uh, she was a. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. I mean, yeah, I guess. I think there are some, I don't want to say redeeming qualities, but mm -hmm. not not all of them are the uh, mustache twirling villains that, you know, we think them to be. Because right. in uh, Nemesis, uh, Commander Denatra mm -hmm. uh, ended up helping Captain Picard. Right. So, 
I, I, I think it's just that their society has been so suppressed by the weight of the government and all this espionage and xenophobia yeah that i i think it's kind of bred into them yeah and i i can even see that in the vulcan society as well yes yeah not it's to like, the same extent but right yeah it's 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 almost like an opposite like for the vulcans yeah it's they're kind of isolating themselves as a culture and not letting any outside influences influence their logic. Mm-hmm. But it, so it's kind of like Vulcans are like the good side of that coin, whereas the Romulans are take it to the other extreme. Right. Well, even uh, within Enterprise, they have Vulcans who are, uh, you know, they're spies. Well, we do we do find find out in the later season of Enterprise, and it was definitely hinted at that Romulans infiltrated uh, parts of the Vulcan government. Mm-hmm. So we can assume that maybe some of what we've seen in Enterprise, the Vulcans holding back the humans, mm-hmm. that could have had a Romulan spin to it, mm-hmm. and that puts a whole new a whole new spin on the Romulan War. Mm-hmm. Like it if, if if Romulan influence, because the, the Romulans did know about humans before we, we knew about them. Mm-hmm. And maybe they were just afraid of us this whole time. And that's why they wanted us not to succeed in our uh, warp technology. And, and that's how the, the Romulan war started. They, they wanted us, they wanted to put us in, in their, in our place because they wanted to keep expanding their empire. Mm, or maybe I'm thinking too much into this. Maybe. Let's get into the uh, Earth-Romulan war here, uh, since we kind of started talking about it. Uh, and then I'll talk I'm about... Sorry. <laughs> and then uh, I'll talk about some uh, some of my uh, issues I have with uh, well, you've got the continuity. Issues, you always have issues, there. <laughs> with You've the con- got issues, alright. Uh, uh, so the Earth-Romulan war, also known as the Romulan war was a major interstellar conflict fought from 2156 to 2160 between the forces of the United Earth and those of the Romulan Star Empire. Earth was assisted by its allies Vulcan, uh, Talar, and the Andorian Empire. Uh, So here are some uh, continuity things that I picked up. so continuity of the war uh, from Enterprise to uh, the original series to Trek 09. Uh, so in uh, the original series, uh, 2266, right? Uh, Spock characterized the weaponry generally used in the Earth-Romulan War as atomic in nature and fairly primitive at that. He also characterized the ships in use as primitive and uh, designed in ways that do not permit quarters or captives. I know what you're going to say about this. Yeah. Okay. Go um, <laughs> so yeah, Spock says that the weapons are you are atomic in nature. Mm-hmm. Well, who's who's not to say that you know what was used in Enterprise wasn't atomic? You know, they may have been calling it something a little differently, but. Photon torpedoes could have been nuclear. Exactly, and well, they didn't have. They had torpedoes. Um, they didn't have photon torpedoes. No, I don't but think they torpedoes. Them. They might have been nuclear. Uh, they could have been. I'm not saying that they're not nuclear, but I'm saying that the the ships um, obviously weren't that primitive. If you take enterprises, well, the, 
Well, they're primitive compared, like from from Spock's point of view, they're a hundred years more technology technologically advanced. The the Enterprise did have a brig. Uh, okay, but maybe the Romulans didn't. Because maybe they didn't care for brigs, or they could have used. Or they could have used um, more of those telepresent ships mm-hmm. okay. that that didn't have room for quarters or captives. Because when Reed and Malcolm were trying to disable one, there was no room for a crew. It was just right. all maintenance tunnels. Right. So it could have been that the Romulans used more of those types of ships in the war. Or maybe a crew of like one or two. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's there's ways to get around it. Okay. So in uh, in the original series, ship to ship visual communication between Earth allied ships and Romulan allied ships did not take place during the war or during the peace negotiations. Okay, that's fine. In the uh, Enterprise episode uh, Mine uh, Field, uh, there was only audio communication between them. So that's right. That's and fun. and during what took place uh, with the telepresent ships, uh, it, again it was all radio communication. So yeah, they they did a good job of not violating that bit of continuity. Right. I think the only piece of continuity that they didn't violate in that episode. So in uh, TOS, the first visual communication between Starfleet and a Romulan ship took place. Uh, the entire crew is uh, stunned to see that the Rhymelons look like Vulcans. And even Spock was a little uh, stunned. Yeah. They look like me. Even though we know. <laughs> okay, so put that into effect. T'Pol knew of the Rhymelons, uh, but she didn't mention that what they looked like or anything like that. Okay, no, she, she, she just said that they were a aggressive and territorial race. Mm-hmm. So in Enterprise, there was some talks of uh, reunification between Vulcan and Romulus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some Vulcans had to have known that they were cousins. They were cousins, right? Uh, maybe some of them knew. Maybe higher levels of government. Okay. Um, just because you know, I I think it would have been kind of devastating to their culture to find out that hundreds of years ago, or you know, maybe a thousand that. You know, they had some ancestors that left, and now they're this big, horrible empire. Right. They actually, um, there was some talk that if Enterprise got a fifth season, they were thinking that future guy uh, would have been a Romulan. Right. And it was pretty clear in a silhouette that it was a Romulan uniform. And they also had the idea that T'Pol's father was a Romulan agent. And that she was actually half Romulan. Romulan. Oh, interesting. And if you go into the novels of Enterprise, mm-hmm. even though it's canon, they really go into the Earth uh, Romulan War. Mm. Was it horrific? Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's a war. <laughs> People are going to die. <laughs> so, getting into Star Trek uh, 2009, the communication officer couldn't tell the difference between Romulan and Vulcan languages. <laughs> Because he was an idiot. <laughs> so that would seem to me... That they knew the languages. That they knew that... She knows all three dialects. What's that? Didn't she say she also knew all three dialects? Uh, something yes. like that. Uh, so that, to me, would point to reason that 
at least the languages are very similar and maybe, you know, tip off a clue that they're, you know, related somehow. It's it's possible, yeah. Uh, no one seems surprised that the Romulans from Nero's ship look similar to Vulcans. I don't um, think they did look that similar. Well, they had pointed ears. A lot of people have pointed ears. Uh, not that pointed. <laughs> but they also had, like, the tattoos on their faces, so that might have been something that they didn't realize. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, um, well, it, I mean, it could be. Like, at least with the tattoos, I, I know that the comic book tie-in to the Star Trek 2009 stated that, you know, those tattoos were because of their they were mourning the loss. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know. I I think at first glance they look pretty rough and ragged. Right. I didn't think they looked exactly like Romulans. I mean, Vulcans. Well, I I'm not saying they look exactly like Romulans. I mean, sorry, Vulcans. But I mean, they look close enough. Except they're bald. <laughs> Unless you've never met them before, and you're not kind of putting those two things together. Well, well, didn't. Well, there was a line in J.J. Uh, Abrams' Star Trek where um, Spock even said, well, now it's clear that Romulans indeed share a similar ancestry with Vulcans. Like, he made that observation. I, I, I remember that. So it might have been a postulate at that point. Yeah. Uh, well, it just seems to me like... You've got to realize this. If, it, if they left in the 4th century, right, our time, mm-hmm. and our time, J.J. Abrams is, what, 21... Mm-hmm. No, 22. 22, um, So 23rd century. Yeah. So that's almost 2,000 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, we don't know where exactly, like, for instance, think of the Irish. They don't know where they really came from. They know they're Celtic, but they also know that they have Norwegian ancestors and things like that. They don't know where they came from. And I think 2,000 years is a significant amount of time for the languages to diverge enough. Where they might not be able to make the connection with Vulcan. Right away. I mean, all languages, at least on Earth, share a common structure, but it's not like I can go to Japan and just start speaking it. Like, well, true, but they, one of the communications officers, and things like that. one of the communications officers wasn't able to tell the difference between the languages. So, I don't know who would be the, the, the language would be the, the, the nail, you know what I mean, in the coffin? I would think that seeing them, but not even Nero, because Nero was different. Well, he had like a, a chunk of his ear off, right? Yeah. He lost yeah, from the uh, Klingon prison that he Which was in. they never did. Yeah. They never you know, explained. I'm, I'm mad about that. I am too. The whole it would have tied scene. into this movie real well. Yeah. Uh, so so that's that. Uh, I'm still that's convinced. That I'm still convinced that there were problems. There were problems with continuity throughout the last uh, fifty odd years of Star Trek, and with the Romulans, fifty years our time. Well, yeah. maybe they can uh, clear it up in the future. <laughs> maybe. Uh, so the Battle of Sharon in twenty one sixty ended the war, victory for the Earth Alliance. Then following the battle, uh, the two sides negotiated a treaty via subspace radio. They didn't even meet each other? No. Uh, they, they didn't see each other until uh, Balance of Terror, which is why they were so shocked to see that uh, they looked like uh, Vulcans. 
So among other things, the treaty established the neutral zone. Entry within the neutral zone by either either side would constitute an act of war. Earth set up at least eight outpost stations on asteroids along its side of the neutral zone to monitor Romulan activity. Wasn't that the uh, Treaty of Algron? Yeah. That was the one for cloaking devices. Oh, I thought that was the... Uh, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that now, was... Now, here's the a question. How, how big is the neutral zone? I've never been able to totally comprehend that. It's several light years. It stretches the whole border uh, between Federation and yeah, Romulan space. But the thing is, is like, obviously some people are let in there. People that aren't part of the Federation or the Romulans. Yeah, it's just that yeah. the Federation and Romulans can't cross it. But yeah, anyone so, else could if they wanted to. Or they would go around into neighboring territory to go in. Exactly. I don't think I don't think anyone from uh, Federation space, a Federation member planet, I don't think that they would be allowed to cross no. the, the neutral zone. See, and no, I always, when wouldn't. I was a kid, what was confusing was when they talked about the neutral zone, I always thought that the one for the Klingons and for the Federation, I mean, for the Romulans was the same. Oh, yeah. No, they were, they were different. They're totally different. So the Federation and Starfleet uh, does not again account to the Romulans for a hundred years until a Romulan cloaked bird of prey attacks Federation outposts. What was the reason for the attack? So yeah, this was Balance of Terror. They came in and they were they had the cloaking device and they were attacking the Federation outpost on the asteroids with a plasma weapon. Mm -hmm. Right. Which again, seemed to be the first time that Starfleet knew of the Romulans having a cloaking device. Uh, they were pretty surprised about it. And then in the Enterprise episode, Minefield, the Romulans had two cloaked bird of preys, as well as uh, cloaked mines. But here, here's the thing. Enterprise, in Enterprise, they were able to eventually uh, see through the cloak with the uh, Sulaban uh, sensor that they had yeah. Um, yeah. from Future Guy. Mm -hmm. So... Even though Romulans um, had, I mean, they had a cloaking device back then when Enterprise encountered them, but Starfleet found a way around that. And obviously the Romulans caught on that, you know, that they could navigate the minefield. So obviously they needed to change the whole way their cloaking technology works. Well, and no, that's no, that's, that's. Uh... You know, you could say that, but they were surprised completely that there was in uh, the Balance of Terror that the ships were, you know, invisible, uh, cloaked. Well, yeah, maybe it was. They were surprised that it was a cloaking system that actually works and made them completely invisible. Well, they could detect. Um, they could detect a a wake kind of as it was traveling, so they could kind of follow it because it wasn't uh, as good as the twenty fourth century uh, the cloaking devices. Mm. Um, no, and and even even the ones in the 24th century have their flaws. So right, right. Yeah, I think it's a ever ever evolving system. But mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that both the Klingons and the Romulans have this uh, cloaking technology, and they're neighbors. In 2268, the Klingons exchanged an unknown number of D7 class ships. 
uh, for Romulan technology, for, uh, cloaking, cloaking, te uh, cloaking technology. That, um, al that also explains why in the original series, the Klingon and Romulan ships look the same. Mm -hmm. Production-wise, yeah. it's to save on models. Well, but the actual reason? <laughs> the actual reason is that they did an exchange. No, no, no. For in the real world reason, oh. they lost the bird of prey model. They couldn't what? find it. Yeah. What? Sometime between the balance of terror and the next episode that they have with Romulans, they lost it. They couldn't figure out what happened with it. So they just used the, uh, the seven. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering why we never saw that Romulan design. Again, in the original series. Right. And that's why. I don't know why they couldn't just, like, whip another one up, but... Yeah, I mean, it was, it's not minute. that hard of a model to make. Right. It's like but a salsa I, section with wings. Right. But I did like the Enterprise's uh, redesign of that of that ship. Right. I, I mean, I understand they had to do it the way they did it because it's... You know the 21st century um, audience, right? But it just looked leaps and bounds more advanced than that model in uh, well the TOS. If you if you look at the model of the one in the original series, mm -hmm. it almost looks Starfleet in design. Yeah. yeah. So you could say that the Romulans were trying to experiment with Starfleet ship profiles. Mm. To make it blend in for their espionage. Uh, um, that's true. Since it since it was already a test bed for the new cloaking device, mm -hmm. why not have it be a prototype for a Starfleet looking ship as well? Mm. That's true, and that might be why they never see that design ever again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and that's why I'm so glad that in the next generation they went back to or they went with that new Romulan design with the mm -hmm. bird of prey or the, mm -hmm. yeah, the bird warbird. Or warbird. Right. There's, there's so many birds. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, there was some uh, diplomatic outreach in the uh, original series movies. There was a Romulan ambassador seen in Star Trek five and Star Trek six. And that's interesting because after those movies, we don't hear of Romulan ambassadors in the Federation. Because mm -hmm. they did that second wave of isolationism. Right. And that lasted uh, 50 years. Okay. According to the neutral, the Next Generation episode, The Neutral Zone, it was uh, 50 years since they had last uh, encountered the Romulans. Okay. So the uh, Next Generation established the, establishes them as a threat in that episode, The Neutral Zone, and we see their warbird-type ships, which uh, absolutely dwarf the Galaxy-class ship. Yeah, I think you can actually fit the Enterprise-D in that big cavity yeah. of, of the ship. Which I thought was a little bit unrealistic. Um, I just thought it was unrealistic. I, don't, I really like the design of the warbird. Yeah, it's it's so unique, and I, 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 I just really so like that whole design. Big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like some of the uh prototype designs where it has it uh it's not horizontal but vertical that yeah. um Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I've seen that one. I before. think they should have had that as a like a variant. Mm -hmm. You know, as something else that they have. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes it makes sense to have it horizontal because it's like a, a bird, and they're the logo of the Romulan Star Empire is you know that bird. Uh, so I mean, it makes sense. And I'm so glad that in Nemesis we saw a new Warbird design. Yeah, uh, that that was that was so great. Yeah, I th- I thought it was cool to have another a new ship design. I. Personally, I didn't care for it all too much. I liked um, it. I thought, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was a cool design. I I didn't like it as much as the next generation Warbirds. I, I think it's really cool that they take that theme of Predator birds mm-hmm. to such extremes. Like, even right. um, Shinzon's ship had those folding out wings, mm-hmm. yeah. which were really cool. Yeah, Shinzon's was, like, really a departure from everything else. And then uh, Eros. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Eros was like, what the hell is that? Yeah, that didn't really look like a bird. Uh, what was like it a called? squid or something. Yeah. What was it called? The uh, Narada. Narada. The yeah. scout ship uh, that we see in the next generation is also, it kind of looks almost like it could be a bird because it has like the pylons come out from a cylindrical body and then they have the warp nacelles at the end of it. And it kind of the front of it kind of looks like a like a beak. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's definitely a, a lineage that they've continued. Mm-hmm. The bird of praise didn't look as much like that, but they did have that the wing right. um, design, which was cool. And the the one from the TOS episode, Balance of Terror, had the predatory bird painted on the underside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in Enterprise, you can kind of see that same detail with uh, the patterning of, of the hull. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very subtle effect. Right. I also think that the Klingons were a little jealous of <laughs> of, of the Romulan ship designs because they mm-hmm. have the bird of prey. Right. And we, we could – well, that was also because the original script uh, for Star Trek 2, it must be – not Star Trek 2, Star Trek 3, sorry, had Romulans instead of Klingons. So it was supposed to be a Romulan bird of prey. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And, and then they changed it to the Klingons, but then they never changed the name of the ship. So uh, why, why did they change it to the Klingons? I I don't I don't know why they changed because they're cool, <laughs> I guess because they're cool, but uh, again that's another reason another Klingon Romulan connection there. Indeed. So let's see. Uh, so we have Spock. Uh, he start, tries to start another reunification movement, which was unsuccessful. In DS Nine, the Romulans are uh, shaky allies uh, during the Dominion War. It's a fake. It's a fake. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> and Eric, uh, why don't you take that last piece there? All right. So in Voyager, early in season one, they established a brief connection with a Romulan uh, through a singularity. And the singularity had um, like a time dilation effect mm-hmm. that they found out at the end of the episode. So the Romulan that they were talking to was actually uh, 50 years in their past. Mm. So it's kind of around that time of uh, 
that period of isolationism. Right. And, you know, the Romulan was surprised at how advanced Voyager was. Mm-hmm. And even Janeway said, she said, hey, it's it's declassified. You know, it's not it's it's not something that's that's classified and so they actually gave the romulan they were able to beam him from his ship Mm -hmm. through the wormhole so he kind of time traveled and did the whole space thing right so they gave him a bunch of messages to like send back to the federation Mm -hmm. but then when they searched their database they found out that uh he actually died a few years before voyager ever took off right I thought that was a good episode. I like that episode. Yeah, it was it was a really good uh, episode, and the Romulan was uh, played by the same guy who played uh, uh, Admiral Forrest in Enterprise. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, Voyager, even though they were in the Delta Quadrant, they had one more um, big episode that focused on the Romulans, mm-hmm. and it's personally one of my favorite Voyager episodes: uh, mm-hmm. "Message in a Bottle." When the doctor is beamed through the Herogen communication network to a Federation prototype ship in the Beta Quadrant, uh, the Prometheus, which the Romulans have actually taken over and are trying to steal it and bring it back to the Empire. I I like that episode. I think mm. you do too, right? Yeah, Marty? yeah, I do. It was cool. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else you can say about that episode besides the two holographic um, emergency doctors uh, beat the Romulans with uh, multi-vector assault mode. Which is the coolest mode ever. Mm-hmm. I like that. When I saw that, I was like, what? This, <laughs> this like, is epic. Awesome. We're in like high school and middle school at the time. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, like, that's so cool. Dude. <laughs> And then in uh, Nemesis depicts the Romulan uh, government shakeup mm-hmm. when Shinzon assassinates the Romulan Senate and takes over as Praetor. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's killed, it seems like there's a power vacuum mm-hmm. uh, since uh, Dinatra is very open to opening up peaceful negotiations with the Federation. Mm-hmm. So you could say that Shinzon killing the whole Romulan Senate might have been a good thing for the Romulan Empire in terms of working it out with the Federation. Right. So there, there are signs of a possible peace as the tie-in is sent to Romulus at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, <laughs> uh, in Star Trek 2009, Romulus is destroyed in the prime timeline, causing Nero to go back in time, possibly a different dimension, to seek revenge. Well, that's because that's what I believe. I believe they're in a different dimension. So you're pushing your I'm pushing doctrine my on propaganda. Else? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, even in the show, they say, or in the movie, they say it's an alternate reality. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think you're just, well, yeah, it's just an alternate timeline. What was great, because I read the uh, preview comics that took place before the movie, mm-hmm. and it really sets up. I mean, most of that comic is in our prime universe okay. because it has uh, Jordy is the one that helps Spock build that jellyfish, what they call cool the jellyfish ship. ship. Yeah. So Worf is even in the comic. Um, oh, man, Worf is everywhere. I, I know. He's the Klingon ambassador. <laughs> no, but, yeah. 
that's well, he was in that comic. Oh, he was. Uh, yeah, because I think the prime timeline where we see Romulus destroyed. Yeah. That's actually uh, like twenty three eighty seven. Oh, okay. So it's so further that's in the future. that's further in the future than where Voyager was. Yeah. So my it, question it's, is, is, how does he keep on getting these nice promotions and losing them? I mean, he was governor of um, one of the Klingon, wasn't he? Well, that was in an alternate reality. No, 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 no. I thought that's what, what he had after... Um... Deep Space Nine? Yeah. No, he had an appointment. He was like the Federation ambassador to Kronos, or the Kronos yeah. ambassador to uh, the, the Federation. Federation. Yeah. And then he winds well, up back on the Enterprise. Worf's a popular guy. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, let's talk about some uh, technology, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right. So in stealth technology, like I mentioned before, they had some cloaked mines. So in April 2152, the Enterprise accidentally entered a cloaked minefield protecting a Romulan-claimed planet uh, in the episode Minefield. Cloaked ships. Uh, two bird of preys also seen in Minefield. Uh and then uh, I ramble on here <laughs> about, <As you> <laughs> about um, but they, there's a, an expo- explanation given um, for the inconsistency of the uh, cloaking technology. Uh, um, I, like, I like mine a little better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in the novel, The Good That Men Do. Uh, excellent, excellent novel, by the way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so read it. I should read it. You def yeah you definitely should okay if you're a fan of Enterprise you should read those books okay the novel explains that the ships uh, seen cloaking in the episode were two prototype birds of prey which were test which were being tested at the time uh, which uh, it kind of helps a little bit um, yeah. the inconsistencies but yeah they they actually said in the Enterprise episode minefield that. The, the minefield was actually kind of ancient, mm-hmm. or it was at least really old. So like they, Yeah, because the, the mines were um, pockmarked. Yeah, they, they've been through... Maybe it was an asteroid. So you could say that the Romulans have always experimented with cloaking technology. Mm-hmm. It just, they got better couldn't at it. get it to the larger size of like a ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got better at it. Right, right. And, and- they mentioned that the power constraints of, of the cloaking technology is what um, kept them from uh, doing it on a larger scale. In uh, uh, the next time we see the cloaked ships is in Balance of Terror, where, but the ship is going at very low speeds and it eventually exhausts its fuel uh, before it can reach uh, the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they were trying to get back home to, to refuel. Mm-hmm. And they used up their power uh, fleeing and trying to outmaneuver the Enterprise and also using its plasma weapon. Uh, Which to also took a considerable amount of power, mm-hmm. considering the destructive nature of that. Right. The next uh, piece of stealth technology, which I think is pretty cool, and I think Enterprise should have just kind of went with this with the Romulans. Um, yeah, the 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 holographic projector. Yeah. yeah, I think they should have went with that too because that seems like that's like the next evolution of that would be complete cloaking. Right. Yeah, um, I, I thought that would have been a good stepping stone to cloaking, but they they didn't uh, they didn't think of it until I guess uh, Babel one. 
mm-hmm. so it's a, a multi-spectral emitter that was used to camouflage the ship. Uh, mm-hmm. The emitters could produce a holographic image that could mimic the appearance of almost any type of uh, ship. And and not just uh, the appearance, like it fooled the other enemy ship sensors enough to make it actually think it was that other ship. Right, because they had some other things that could make the like warp fields seem to be like another alien races. Right, it could match. Yeah. So yep. I mean, uh, I mean that that was pretty cool. I that would even be cool to see in the next generation having a, a Romulan ship pretend to be uh, a galaxy class starship and ju- then just like come in and attack. Yeah, t- to me that technology seems more suited to the Romulans. Like you would think they would use that and exploit a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, think of all the different things you could implicate. I mean, you could make it seem like the Enterprise-D went crazy and blew up a Federation world or something. Right. And they had, um, in Unification, they had a a Vulcan ship that they stole from a uh, a, kind of like a a ship graveyard uh, Uh of sorts. And then they sent that from Romulus to towards Vulcan, and of course it was like a that's a trap. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, but they could have just, if they had this technology, they could have just made any ship look like a a Vulcan ship coming in. Right, and maybe they didn't use it because that whole project was deemed as a failure when you know the telepresent ships uh, mm-hmm. failed. At least it failed that uh, Senate member at the time that we saw yeah. in those episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it could have been another um, Rymlin came to power. And, and said, yeah, this technology, we won't want anything to do with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Which just I focus could, on cloaking. Yeah, I could totally see, see that happening in, within the Rymlin Senate. If, yeah. I under, if I understand right, the Praetor is kind of like the Caesar, right? Yes. So he has almost ultimate power, though. Uh, true, but I mean, he's still got to politically satisfy his other constituents. Yeah. Right. Right. So now with power, impulse. So in the balance of terror, Scotty says that their power is simply impulse, leading many to believe that the bird of prey from the episode is impulse only. Uh, but that's very unlikely, given the fact that the ship has obviously been crossing interstellar space. And it could uh, mean that they did not use a matter-antimatter drive, possibly something else. Well, yeah, if um, if Scotty says that their power is simply impulse, well, on Federation ships, the impulse power is created by fusion right. instead of uh, matter-antimatter collision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they may have been using impulse power, or fusion, but it was enough to at least get them to warp. Mm. Uh, th- that's what it could be. I mean, maybe Scotty's just a little prejudiced because he likes the <laughs> Enterprise. Uh, maybe. I mean, it could just be that. Well, I don't think this is the case, but we see in the next generation that the Romulan Warbirds use an artificial quantum singularity mm-hmm. uh, as a power source. Uh, so it could be that the Romulans just use uh, exotic forms of uh, energy. Interstellar matter? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if 
if they didn't if they weren't using matter antimatter maybe they were doing something similar to a I don't think that they were using artificial quantum singularity in that episode, but maybe uh, something a little bit more exotic that Scotty just wasn't familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe he was interpreting it as just impulse power. Mm -hmm. I mean, the ship was running, it was running slow, but that's because its power reserves were so low. Yeah. And that could be why he, the ship was just going so slow and he was like, Oh, they're, they're just going at impulse. Yeah, I think it, I think that was a really cool thing about the next generation when they mentioned that the Romulan warbirds had basically black holes powering their ship, and that's that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess once activated, those cores cannot be shut down. Right, which makes sense if you're if you're using a black hole. Right, I was kind of disappointed in their in the design of their engine room and what they say is like what houses the quantum singularity it was just kind of like uh like a square kind of thing coming out of the wall <laughs> i was like uh okay what meanwhile the enterprise d has this huge matter antimatter reactor with lights well, you could say that a quantum singularity just takes up less space Oh, and no. is more more an efficient power source. That's tr- that's true. Uh, I'm sure it is. I just wish that they did something a little bit cooler with the design. Yeah, me too. I mean, it would be cool to actually see a black hole or oh, that would be cool. Yeah, or yeah. see some kind of weird things happening. Because you would think, like, well, if the closer you get to it, like, like how micro is it? Uh, what effects yeah. does it have? Obviously, it can't be too big or you know, it would basically tear the ship apart. Yeah. Right. And you would think that they would have to, like, have it isolated from people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. I would imagine this would be, like, in the center of the ship, um, and you would have, like, this entire, like, glass, like, enclosure uh, where everyone stays kind of, like, away from it. That That, that may explain why... Their ships are hollow in the middle, too, if you think about it. Because if their warp core is maybe on the bottom of that surface... Mm-hmm. Probably burns a huge hole. Right. Well, if, it, if it's at the bottom of their ship, and if they can't shut it down, but if it breaches containment, they could just eject it, and the ship being hollow could just fly around it, like fly right through it. Yeah. If you think about it. Maybe yeah. that's why their warbirds are hollow. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm just speculating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good speculation. 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 <laughs> and speculation. It's, yeah. Uh, Quit speculating. Uh, <laughs> uh, so with weapons, dirt, dirt, dirt. They use the plas- derp. <laughs> they use derp, pla- derp, derp. like I like we mentioned earlier. They use they have plasma torpedoes. Uh, they were an extremely powerful yet energy intensive weapon system. Uh, This type of high-energy plasma weapon was first encountered by Starfleet when a Romulan bird of prey destroyed several outposts near the neutral zone in 2266. So yeah, and then we kind of never see them use that weapon again, Uh, just in that episode that I can recall. Then next, we have a disruptor, uh, which is a form of energy weapon used by many species known for not having a stun setting. 
it left the victim with disruptor burns. These burns are what classified disruptors as a cruel weapon by many races, including humans and Vulcans. Teddy burns. Yeah, like, um, and we've seen we've seen like engineers on Star Trek get plasma burns, and whenever we see that, they look really painful. Mm-hmm. I I would not want to get hit with a Romulan disruptor. Right. And we've seen it rip people apart in yeah, some episodes. Yeah, and completely disintegrate them. Yeah. So, yeah, those are pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, not definitely nothing like our uh, real, wor- real world phasers that we have now. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, any other, uh, anything else we want to talk about with the uh, Romulans here? Do you guys have any uh, favorite episodes that feature the Romulans? Um, hmm. I think the ones that centered around uh, in Enterprise mm-hmm. when they were reintroducing them, I think they were really good, and obviously reunification of TNG. How about you, Aaron? Um, I really like uh, the Balance of Terror. The first time we ever see Romulans, um, definitely a well-written episode. Um, you definitely had a lot of different emotions going on in that episode. It dealt with racism. Yeah. A, a ageism, like a, with the Romulan commander, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. Since, yeah, since he was really old, and they were like, "Okay, you're you're done." <laughs> yeah. Um, at the beginning of the episode, there was a wedding ceremony that Picard, I'm mean, not Picard, that Kirk was, <laughs> that Kirk was uh, going to officiate, and then uh, they had to cut it short. And then at the end of the episode, um, the fiance dies before they could uh, finish the ceremony. So I yeah. think that I thought that was a uh, a really well done episode. Yeah, um, emotions were really high in that episode. Uh, for me, I I have to agree. I I love Balance of Terror. It's just one of the classic Star Trek episodes. Mm-hmm. I also like Unification. But one of my favorite uh, Romulan episodes was in the pale moonlight, okay. where it's a fake. It, it's a fake, but <laughs> Cisco, Cisco basically out espionaging, you know, the Romulans who are the masters of espionage, with the assistance of someone, a former member of the Obsidian Order. Exactly. So it was just it was such a great mind play of an of an episode. It was it was really really great. Mm. And I I also liked I I know a lot of people didn't, but I like Nemesis. I think that gave us some interesting nods into the future of what the Romulan Star Empire might lead into. Mm. Yeah, I mean Nemesis grows on you if you watch it enough times. Yeah. Um, I know when I first saw it, I, I wasn't, I mean, I had so, such high expectations for this movie because they had, uh, Logan, um, right. and, uh, you know, Brett Spiner was, uh, one of the writers, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had really high expect, my expectations were up here. And then when I saw it, you know, it, it was like down here. So, I mean, I, I think it was really overhyped. But I agree. I mean, the more times you watch it, it's it's a very engaging movie. Uh, it's to me, it's almost second place behind uh, First Contact. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I, I just loved what they did with the Romulans. And it shows how far the Romulans go in their plans. I mean, they were basically going to wait 20 years for this clone of Picard to mature. Mm-hmm. So it, it just goes with their whole like isolationism, their whole like cold war aspect uh, of the Romulans. Mm. So for, for that reason, I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so on to our next section, subspace channels. So this week we asked, what is your favorite Romulan or Romulan episode and why? So on Twitter, we have at the great Mangini, uh, who who says, Nero, of course, Eric Bana in Wicked Tattoos. All right. Sure. (laughs) What? Uh, uh, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, She likes tattoos. I I, I don't know if it's a she. I think it's a she. Uh, This person likes... uh, Banna in tattoos. Apparently likes the JJ universe. Yeah. So then we have at Mzani, Mzadi underscore uh, casket. Troy as the Rumlin because she got to be badass. Uh, Mar- Marina is the best at that. Was that um, face of the enemy? Yeah. That, that was a really good episode. <laughs> it was a good episode. It was a good episode. Now, over to Facebook. We didn't get as many this time, huh? We did not. Uh, Eric Dewey from the Four-Eyed Radio Network uh, says, My favorite Romulan is Tasha Yar. Wait, I mean mean Sila. Damn Denise Crosby making me all confused. I thought it was, you know, I don't know. I remember watching it. Maybe I got it wrong. Wasn't it Sela, not Sela? I, I don't know. Um, Sela, Sela. Yeah. I'm not sure how to pronounce anything. <laughs> Salada T. <tea. laughs> uh, so next we have on uh, Google Plus, uh, Clive Burrell, who says favorite Romulan. I have three. Oh uh, boy. <laughs> uh, neck. Uh, from In the Pale Moonlight because Steve McCaddy Mm. plays him with enough disdain that he comes off as just uh, skin-crawlingly brilliant. And you know that Cisco is utterly screwed after he realizes the treachery. The treachery. Treachery. The treachery. The The menagerie. (laughs) Yeah. Mark Leonard's Rymlin from uh, TOS. Uh, the original. So yeah, uh, uh, balance of terror. Mm-hmm. Where is all? Where it all started in uh, command of a classic uh, Star Trek ship. And finally. And finally, Tomalock again is a classic actor that makes him memorable. In fact, I think that's three awesome guest actors there. A Romulan plot, uh, and I didn't even mention Mark uh, Alamo. Yeah, Alamo. Uh, Is it Alamo? I thought it was a Alimo. Alimo? A-L-I-I. That's the guy who plays... Um, D- Dar- or, um, Durat? Not Durat. Uh, the one that says, are we just going to stare at each other across the room? No, no, that's Tom. Oh, that's um, Tom Alok. I forgot. Um, who's the guy that plays the Cardassian? That's who this is, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, Gold Ducat. Ah, there you go. Ducat. I knew it was Duh, Duh, yeah. Duh or something. <laughs> um, 
aside from Leonard, they are uh, self-conceited and arrogant, perfect Romulans. But Tomalock, here's the funny part about Tomalock. I think that's the funniest episode ever. We're going to stare at each other across the neutral zone. Uh, all good things. <laughs> yeah, when they were doing that. Yeah. Well, that's because Picard didn't know what was going on. That guy was also in Babylon 5. Was he? Yes. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Episode-wise, I reckon I'd go for Moonlight. I reckon. But that's a whole essay on its own. And I'm sure we could get a lot from him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, next... <laughs> we have Bill uh, Tom, Bill T, Bill T, Bill T, Vreenak, Vreenak for me, but also Kratek, yeah, Kratek, uh, because she was quite okay to work with and generally t- interact with. Uh, then I also like Picard's kind of nemesis, Tomalock. There were a few good episodes with him. Yeah, the Tomalock was one of those recurring characters that you that you really liked. Yeah. Or you he's like to of, hate. He's kind <laughs> of the Gal Ducat of um, the next generation. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh then next we have Bill K. Uh and the Romulan commander from the Enterprise Incident, the first female ship commander received from any race in Star Trek. Yeah. Um I, I love that episode too. I yeah. Really like Spock's interaction with her, mm. and that's uh, Kirk uh, dresses as a uh, Romulan, right? Yes. In that yeah. yeah, and he looks pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's where they're gonna try to steal the cloaking device. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, from the D seven uh, class ship. You mean the Katanga? No, wasn't that the Katanga? <laughs> well, I don't know. Oh, uh, well. Even though that was the Klingons. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if it's still. If you would consider it the same, since it, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, I I just don't know if because they didn't met, call it that in the original series, mm-hmm. and it was yeah. definitely uh, different looking cosmetically because, yeah. like with the Enterprise um, refit, um, they added so much more details to it. Different nacelles. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah. So, uh, lead on, sir. The next segment of the show. Do you know what puts my quantum state into flux? Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Now you would think it would be uh, the cloaking technology. I mean, last week. I. I Are you going to rip it apart like you did last week? That went the last time. (laughs) What? Who? What? Eric. What? I hear you ripped it apart. Well, yeah, but you did rip some things apart. Well, well it's 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 my job. It's my <laughs> job to to keep the universe in check. The Star Trek universe. I, I think the last few. Um, I think it was uh, everyone kind of agreed with them. Uh, okay, let's go with this one. Let's see what so, you phoned in this week. <laughs> so it, it's not the cloaking um, or other uh, continuity errors that I mentioned before. <laughs> But in the TNG episode, Face of the Enemy, Troy is abducted by Romulans in a plot to aid the defection of several high-ranking Romulan officials. Uh, Let me start off by saying that I enjoyed this episode. That being said, (laughs) I find it hard to believe that Troy would know the Romulan language. If she did, I doubt she would be able to speak it fluently enough to convince the Romulan commander that she was, in fact, a real Romulan. 
she would need to speak Romulan, uh, speak the Romulan language, uh, because the universal translator would have been detected. I doubt her telepathic powers alone would be enough uh, for her to uh, speak Romulan. You speak of the Romulan? Yeah, speak of the Romulan. <laughs> Um, so yeah, in the star system, a long distance. What? So yeah, so that's um, that's, that's my your, beef this week. That's your beef. Yeah. Well, I kind of agree with this. Okay. I I, I do too. I think it's a little far fetched that she would, she know. would completely know Romulan. Did right. you did you ever read? And I read this back when, and I was young then. But one of the stories I read was originally her character was supposed to be Vulcan. Uh, Troy? Yeah. I don't know. And I remember talking about her being a three-breasted <laughs> Yeah. <woman. laughs> that was last week. We were talking about yeah. that. I wouldn't mind that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't recall her. Um, but that was one of the things that I remember hearing. No, I'm sure they, they were thinking about many different um, directions with her. <laughs> she was originally supposed to be Hernandez, the uh, tactical officer. Hernandez? Yeah, but then they switched roles with Tasha. Yeah, because she really looks like her name. <laughs> well, they changed her name, obviously, yeah. to uh, go with the way she looked. Um, but they they basically switched the roles of those two uh, actresses. They were uh, so originally uh, Tasha was supposed to be the counselor. Yeah, she was going to be the counselor, and uh, Troy was going to be well, not Troy. Certus. Uh, so yeah, she was going to be uh, the security officer. I'm glad they. Uh, I'm glad they flipped it. I don't know. Yeah, I would have too. liked to have seen how uh, Denise Crosby did the whole counselor part. Yeah, it would have been interesting. Something that I read about this episode, uh, Face of the Enemy, mm-hmm. they had originally planned uh, it to be Crusher, not Troy, which I would think would make it even more unlikely that Troy could. I mean, sorry, Crusher would be able to speak Romulan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they also, it, I might be wrong, but they were taught. In the Wikipedia article that I was reading, uh, they mentioned uh, you know Hunt for Red October, like the ex- espionage and stuff that, and uh, the woman who plays Crusher was in uh, Hunt for Red October. Yeah, yeah, oh. she was in uh, really Hunt for Red. Yeah, she was the she's the wife of uh, uh, Alec Baldwin's character there. I didn't notice because she's probably that much younger. Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't know I didn't know either. That's yeah, it's watch it. It's, it's, it's towards the beginning of the movie, as you know. Yeah, she's only in one scene, and then that's it. So. Oh, okay. It wasn't like it was yeah, anything big. Part. Yeah, small part. So yeah, um, I'm glad we can all agree on uh, this one. Once in a while. Once in a while. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess that's it for this week. Uh-huh. So is, is there anything else you guys want to add? Uh, Romulans are cool. I I like them. They're the they're the best bad guys. I think they're one of the more interesting and complex bad guys in the Star Trek universe. They're definitely complex. Yeah, I, uh, I think their culture as a whole is uh, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't want to live there. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't really like the Romulan uh, military uniforms in the Next Generation because of the shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it was the 80s, 90s. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, other than that, I like the patterns in the uniform. The run. Yeah, yeah. They always have really good and interesting patterns for yeah. some reason. 
I thought I, I kind of wish they continued the uniform tradition from the original series where they have the the like sashes, like the Rhymeland Commander. Yeah, they, they uh, had some of those uh, plastic sashes. Like I don't really say it's a sash, but they had that going across their chest. Oh, did they? Yeah, Troy did in, in that episode we were talking about. Oh, face of the enemy. Yeah, yeah, because her uniform had like that that belt going across. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. it's similar. I guess it's similar. I guess it wasn't as pronounced enough for me to pick it up, pick up on it. Oh, okay. Because I wanted like something that was a little bit kind of colorful in it. Because I mean, it's very drab. Their uniforms. Oh yeah, very, uh, that very gray. Dry. I mean, it, it works with the, their militaristic uh, uh, culture. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wish that it was, um, you know, a dash of color here and there. Oh, just a dash. Just <laughs> yeah, a dash. just a dash. Don't worry right. about it. Just <laughs> like in Star Trek, how we have department colors to distinguish, you know, what department you're in. It seemed like in TOS they had those uh, those different colors uh, sashes to denote uh, rank. Ah, uh, right. And they also had some kind of like pins and stuff, like pips. Yeah. So it was it was kind of like status because I think the Romulan commander had uh, like a purple one, yep. I think, and yeah. then uh, the other guys had like a blue color one. Yeah. So I I think that would have been cool to somehow transition that in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well that them's the romulans yeah. so until next time i'm aaron i'm marty and i'm eric see you later bye you have been listening to the starfleet escape podcast on the four-eyed radio network where you can catch a new episode every other monday you can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com on Twitter at SF Escape Pod or on Facebook.com slash SF Escape Pod. This has been another great presentation by the Fouride Radio Network. You can find more information at fouriderradio.com.